the homily for the third Sunday of Advent on prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear friends, today we read the Apostle St. Paul exhorting us to rejoice and to pray. He says, In every prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let, you, let your petitions be made known to God. And in the Gospel, you hear St. John the Baptist telling the Pharisees that even though the Messiah was among them, they did not know him. And based on these two texts, I want to speak to you today of how, if we fail to pray, we actually fail to know God. And also how we should pray so that we can truly get to know him. Let us look at these words of St. John the Baptist. In the midst of you there, is, there has stood one whom you do not know. <clears throat> My dear pr friends, prayer, heartfelt and devoted prayer, is often one of the hardest things for us to do. Now that's not because prayer is hard, it's not because prayer is bad for us, it is rather because we don't know what's good for us, and we usually tend to those things which are not good. You see, when a person is healthy, they have a good appetite, they eat a good, good enough amount of food with pleasure. When a person is sick, their sense of taste is messed up their body is weak, unable to receive that nutrition of the food. And for that reason, even the best of foods is not going to be appealing. And this is the case with our souls. If we were healthy, prayer would be a natural thing. It would be even a desirable thing, much like food is for our body. You know, in the same way that, for example, food is so desirable and so natural to you that walking by the kitchen, you see something and you take it as a snack with no problem. In the same way, if we were healthy spiritually, at any moment, any, any moment in the day where we had an opportunity, we would just naturally raise our spirits to God. But because of original sin, and because of our own actual sins, our souls have become sickened. They are unhealthy. And they have lost the taste, the sense of taste for those things that are good. What's even worse, the more that you sin, the more that we sin, the more enthralled we are with the world, with the flesh, the more ruined our spiritual appetite becomes and the more repugnance we have to spiritual things, to confession, to communion, to mass, to prayer. So, I must ask myself, do I have difficulty praying? You know, when I'm kneeling in front of God, in front of the Blessed Sacrament, for example, uh, in the mass, Am I tickling to leave? Am I anxious to get out and do something else? Am I utterly uninterested? If I find this is so, it means that my spiritual health is terrible and I should be concerned. Yes, I should be concerned because prayer is absolutely necessary for salvation. St. Alphonsus Liguori has a whole book on this, on this topic precisely. And the reasoning that St. Alphonsus Liguori has is very simple. He throughout the book, this is basically what he says. He says, you know that you need to keep the commandments to save your soul. You need to keep the commandments and persevere in keeping the commandments. But you know that to keep the commandments and to persevere in them is absolutely impossible to you unless God gives you his grace. We cannot keep the commandments of God without God's grace. Our Lord Jesus Christ is very clear about this. He says, Without me, you can do nothing. This is from the Gospel of St. John. 
And St. Augustine notices, he says, notice that he's not saying that without me you cannot finish the work, or without me you cannot conquer, or without me you cannot win. He says, without me you can do nothing, not even begin the good work. And for this reason, St. Alphonsus tells us to deny that for an adult it is necessary to pray in order to be saved, is to contradict faith, the faith, because it is such a clear doctrine in Scripture that prayer is the only means necessary to obtain the helps of the divine grace which we need for our salvation. Notice that, that it says the prayers, prayer is the only means necessary to obtain the helps of divine grace for our salvation. And, and why? You might say, well, hold on. There are other means for grace. What about sacraments, the sacraments? Well, the sacraments are prayer too. You pray when you receive the sacraments. The minister prays when he gives them. So prayer is absolutely necessary. And if you say that prayer is not necessary for an adult to be saved, St. Alphonsus tells you you're going against the faith. You cannot be saved if you don't pray. I'll say more. You cannot be saved if you don't pray well. If we don't pray well, I include myself, of course. Our Lord says it. He says, we ought always to pray and not to faint. He also says, watch ye and pray that ye not enter into temptation. And he also says, ask and you shall receive. Notice all the words of our Lord in the gospel, all of them, where he speaks of prayer, he commands us to pray. He's not saying it is possible. He's not saying it is fitting. He's saying, do it. It's imperative. Pray. <clears throat> Something else that would be interesting is this, my dear friends. Think of how God made you how different you are from all the other creatures on this creation. Um, lions have claws to defend themselves, to get their food. Same with the bears and all the other you know, beasts out there. The birds can fly away from their enemies. They can fly to catch their prey. The gorillas are so strong that they can tear an animal to pieces or you know, defend themselves just with their bare hands. The snakes have poison. The turtles have shells to protect themselves. Every animal has some mean of survival <clears throat> of survival it is only us that are entirely defenseless us who are by the way the principal creature in creation and why is that if not that god wants to give you a message that you depend on him and that in order to obtain what you need and to defend yourself you have to go and have recourse to god that's why the apostle tells us today to pray unceasingly, to pray without ceasing. I, I, there's one thing that today I would like to tell you, and I would like you to keep this in your memory. If nothing else, you know, I think this would be very interesting to keep in your memory, and perhaps it's something that you've never thought of before. If it is true that our repugnance to prayer comes from our being corrupted by sin, and that the more that we give into sin, the more that we can't stand to pray, then a very interesting conclusion ensues. And it is this. This is what I want you to remember. The more that you dislike prayer, the more that you need it. The more that you can't manage to pray, the more necessary it is for you to go and try it and do it. This is a really interesting thought. Because oftentimes you hear from people, especially 
from us when we're young, you hear, I don't want to pray. I don't feel like praying. It's entirely the opposite. If you don't feel like praying, that means that is a certain sign that praying is what you need to do. In the same way that a sick man in the hospital who needs nourishment to survive must eat and if he lacks the appetite because he's weak, if he lacks the he doesn't want to eat because he's so weak, that's precisely the reason why he should eat. So that that weakness, that lack of care for food goes away and he becomes healthy. So this is the motto for today's sermon. The less you feel like praying, the more you need to pray. What should you pray? Obviously the rosary, you know, that's a given. But today I want to, you know, pass that a little bit. We've talked about that before. I want to focus on something more. It's not so much what you pray, but it's rather how you pray. This is a cliche. Perhaps you've heard it in other sermons. But let me explain it and, and just give you an example. St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis of Assisi went one time to pray to the mountains and see how he prayed. He tells his brothers, do not disturb me, no matter what. I'm going to walk all the way over there. Uh, even when you bring me food, you will say my name. And if I don't answer, you don't come. You stay over there. So he went by himself out in the rain, poor, cold, suffering, fasting. And there he kneels down by himself. And his prayer is very simple. It's something like this. Lord, let me feel the love that you felt and the pain that you suffered on the cross. Now, he knew well what he meant. He had a complete thought in his mind. He had meditated upon this, and these words were a summary of it all. But the point is that that's, that's all the words that he said, but he was speaking them from the heart. He was truly speaking to God. This was his motto, basically. But because that prayer was sincere, true, felt from the heart, he was really speaking to God, what happened? With that simple prayer, God gives St. Francis the stigmata, the wounds in his side, in his hands and his feet, the same wounds of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the result of a good prayer. And so, my dear friends, if what you do is every day repeat formulas that you read in a book without your heart, then you are not truly praying. Don't get me wrong, though. That's still good. It's better than nothing. Because if you pray the rosary or whatever other formulas, even if you don't pray them fully concentrated or with as much devotion as you should, you're still giving that time and that effort and, and that act of your will to God. So it's still a good thing. But you will not receive the results of prayer unless you're praying as if you were speaking to God. You will not be safe of all the things that I was mentioning at the beginning unless you are actually praying from your heart. There is another beautiful story that I want to tell you before I end the sermon. It's 11 minutes, not too much. Okay, there was a story, this is a story that tell, they say a lot in the, in the monks, you know, with the monks and the monasteries. And uh, there was this guy that used to be a circus guy. He used to be a clown in the circus. He would, you know... Uh, I don't remember how you, what you call that, but uh, he would do all kinds of uh, acrobacies in the circus. So he joins the monastery, but he doesn't know how to read. He doesn't know how to pray the divine office. All the monks are praying. He's like all totally lost in the breviary. Uh, he, when he goes to mental prayer, he doesn't know how to 
to think or to meditate. He has no idea of anything. And he's frustrated. And he's, he's thinking, I can't do this. I'm not good enough as a monk. Uh, I'm just a circus guy. I, just sh I should just leave. I wanted to give my life to God, but this is not for me. Definitely, I'm totally lost. So he decides to leave. But the night before he was going to leave, he says he loved our Blessed Mother. And so he says, the only thing I can do is this circus tricks that I used to do. So he goes into the chapel and he starts doing these circus tricks. In front, like in the altar, on the altar in front of the, our Blessed Mother, right? Uh, not on the altar, but next to the altar. So one of the monks comes to pray and he sees this guy, you know, making circus tricks in front of our Blessed Mother. And he says he gets scandalized. He goes and calls the Father Superior you know, to, rep to reprehend, reprimand this guy. The Father Superior comes with the other monk, and then when they come and see, this guy is doing his tricks, and our Blessed Mother is actually looking down at him and smiling at him. Because in his own way, he was praying. So the point is, we have to pray from the heart, in our own way, in our own fashion. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't use formulas. We should use formulas. They are very good. But when we do, they have to come from our heart. Okay, I have spoken to you of how prayer is necessary to save your soul. I have also mentioned that it's not so much what you pray, but how you pray it. That is, it should be as if you were speaking to God, actually. I want to finish with one last thing. Prayer is supposed to bring two results to you. One is, yes, the fulfillment of your requests. You know, you ask God for something and you're asking so that you receive it. Uh, now, let's say here something. We're asking for those things, if they are the will of God, that we receive them, and when it is the will of God that we receive them. Sometimes you might be praying for the conversion of a loved one, and you think to yourself, why is this not happening? And well, it's going to happen when God deems it necessary or good to happen. And it also depends on the free will of the person. But the point is, we ask for the things, if they are God's will, and when they are God's will. But there's another result from prayer. And it is to get to know God, to get to know God personally. And this is the reason why we meditate. This is the reason why you think of the passion, the mysteries of the rosary, all those things. When you pray to God every day, but when you pray to God personally, from your heart, he responds. He will respond with an interior inspiration. He will respond with, with voices, not voices, but, you know, interior words that come to your mind. Or he will respond with uh, affections, desires that come to your heart, with grace. So all these things, if you pray daily, if you pray constantly, all these things bring you to get to know God. And then those words of St. John don't apply to you. Among you is one whom you do not know. If you make then a bit of effort and you make a resolution to pray, we will prepare properly to receive our Lord Jesus Christ in this Christmas. And we will enjoy also the benefits on, of living in connection with God. This is how we come to what the Apostle tells us today, Gaudete, to rejoice always in the Lord. This is possible when you pray always, because then you are in the company of the Lord always. And if He's always in our heart, our mind, our intention by prayer, we will necessarily come to that joy temporarily in this life, and eternally in the next. Thank you, and God bless you.